This is the night you've been waiting for. I know this is the big excitement. There's the concept plan for the two recreation and aquatic centers. Um, so we're going to get to that momentarily. And we'll be welcoming, uh, as Kelly said earlier, we'll be welcoming um, Jim Calvinage and Chris Roberts over here um, from Office Architecture. And then also on the screen will be Darren Barr from Ballard King. Uh, so they'll be with us this evening. Um, as we get started, I just want to give you a little So that left two sites, 
And with those two sites, we then changed the scope of work where Austin can ask them to develop two concept plans for each of the two sites. So that's what they're going to be showing you this evening. And uh, before we turn it over, I want to mention just a couple little things. The first one is if um, NKCC is chosen as a site, this is probably self-explanatory, I know, but uh, the old facility would be far down and the new facility would replace it. Uh, of course, we would still have the, the facility at Cedar Kirk uh, Park, so Cedar Kirk Community Center would still be there. The pool would still be there as, as long as it is living. Um, so those would continue to be city amenities. And if the Houghton Park and I were chosen, that would be a brand new service model. Um, and then just one last comment is these are concept plans. And if they are um, go to the ballot and approved, there is then next the design phase, and in the design phase, um, there can be alterations to the concept plan. So these concept plans aren't written in stone. They, they can still be altered um, for a lot of reasons. So, yeah. Is there like a rule of thumb or large scale estimation on like how long the structure would take? Like, or when it would be completed? I'm just going to go ahead and hand it right on over to <laughs> Uh, real, real quick question. Um, looking at uh, the costs uh, between Rose Park and Ryan and North Kirkland, there's demolition options that would have to happen with North Kirkland, yeah. but it still costs less than um, a Houghton. Is that because the purchase of the land is included in the price? Uh, they're going to get into all of those details as we go through the PowerPoint presentation. So we're going to go through all the, the different costs, what's in the cost, what's in the building, that type of thing. Quick step back, the facility guidance principles, we kind of share this with the last time that we 
said. And these are sort of the principles that go to project decision making or decision making that's kind of grounded within. And so we'll see some of these kind of items kind of woven in throughout the concept design, but they don't just really affect the building, the program and the holistic thought about how, how you approach these buildings. But the ideas are, are just, I don't want to read them out, but just wanted to, if you have any questions about these, and as we're going through the project, and say, how do you see this being addressed? Please bring them up. And I think, um, you know, the ideas of synergy, value, and budget, those are all things that we've been using early as a person to help guide our design process to move forward. So, if you have any questions, please uh, feel free to ask me to that uh, portion. And so, we are now going to try virtual reality. And there's Darren, I can see you up there, Dan. I'm going to pass it off to you. Darren, you're so small. I, a big personality, small body. Right? <laughs> um, hopefully, everyone can hear me okay. Uh, so, it's a, hold up. Hold up, Darren. I'm going to get a little more fun here. Darren, try now. Okay. Does that work? We're good. Try now. Hello? We're good. Okay. You're, you're good. So, um, sorry I'm not there in person, but technology is a wonderful thing. So, it's important to understand where this feasibility study started, right? Um, and it's an offshoot of the PROS plan. So when we went ahead and, and when the Indoor Aquatic and Recreation Center was discussed in the PROS plan, it was with the idea that it was maybe the most important need, followed by Indoor Aquatic Center being rated number first and an Indoor Rec Center being ranked third. So I think it's important, especially when you start to do these feasibility studies to understand that we're responding to what the community is looking for. It's also important to understand that 36% of participants said recreation center or indoor aquatics would increase the participation. When you go ahead and when you build one of these facilities, you have to talk about a couple of things. Number one, participation in programs that the Parks and Recreation Department might offer, but there's also socialization opportunities and just a feeling of community that these facilities provide. So when we start talking about increasing participation, I think we have to think of it as the very real tactile number of people taking swim lessons, number of people are going ahead and, and forming new relationships and going ahead and communicating with one another. So the next slide takes that information and goes ahead and starts talking about programs and services. So we started talking about related to the pros plan, uh, special events, environmental and outdoor programs, fitness, aquatics, health and wellness, sports programs. That's pretty standard uh, in what we're seeing in a lot of the pros plans that people are going ahead and doing right now. Uh, but there's this continued focus on health and wellness, even to the point where we're starting to see some communities stop referring to facilities as rec centers or community centers, but more of wellness facilities. When we talked about needs that weren't being met, Again, this is through the PROS plan, the adaptive and special needs programming, culturally specific programming, environmental and outdoor, after school and camp, special interest in education. And then finally, swim lesson needs. And this is a snapshot into your reality at, in terms of what you offer at this point. Uh, 2,800 swim lesson so slots or 1,400 unique participants. And then there were 10,850 swim lessons waitlisted. Um, so in, unique to about 1500 individuals. 
that's a lot. Um, you know, when we start talking about swimming, uh, swimming is a life skill. When we start talking about learn to swim, that's a life skill, especially with all the water that you guys are surrounded with. It's something that really goes ahead and becomes um, apparent that there's a, a, a significant demand for. I think it's important for the group to understand that we're not going ahead and, and just sort of uh, making recommendations about facility without some basis. Uh, obviously, we have the pros plan to lean back on, but we also have a market assessment that we conclude that we conducted. Um, it, the first bullet point, the community needs and population can support multiple indoor and aquatic facilities. That's based on what we found in the market assessment, but that's also based on some nation, nationwide standards that the National Parks and Recreation Association produces. It's also based on what we see, we, Ballard King and Associates see, with our national practice. A population of your size can support multiple facilities if it so chooses. Um, however, we think that those facilities should vary in their size and their focus. It's not a cookie cutter. It's not the old days of park planning where every park had a diamond and every park had a rectangle and every park had a rush. Make them unique to their locations. Um, there should be a fitness element, uh, and you can go ahead and you can, can accomplish that in a variety of different ways. The department already goes ahead and has a significant focus on older adults and the programs that they have, so that needs to continue. And that all the facilities you consider should be, have a multi-generational and a multicultural programming. Uh, we want to be as inclusive to everyone. In some cases with these facilities, that's going to take a little extra work once you move off to the construction phase and program phase to reach out to some of those specific populations and really invite them in and talk about this is how we want you to use the facility. Does that work? Or is there different ways that you might want to use the facility? The education process for this is not just the facility's uh, feasibility study, but it continues on through the construction into the grand opening. <laughs> the last talk topic is we went ahead and we mapped out where the facilities might be and talked about some uniqueness. So when you talk about Houghton Park and Ride, it's a new location, right? There's never been anything there before except a parking lot. Well, maybe way, way before, but there's never been a parks and recreation presence there. So there's all kinds of new service. So you've got membership-based fitness model, indoor aquatics, gymnasium, indoor walking, meeting rooms, uh, arts and enrichment spaces, uh, and those opportunities go ahead and expand the enrichment that you do, the senior programming that you do, and the aquatics programming that you do. But a whole new segment of the population uh, addressed towards the southern end of the, of the community. With North Kirkland, it becomes really interesting because you're not working from a blank slate. Um, you're going to have a facility that would be purpose-built for the needs and part of those needs is supporting the level of programming that already takes place at that facility. We're not saying you shouldn't do that anymore. Quite the contrary. We're saying those are staples of the department. We need to continue to do those, but also having a purpose-built facility might help you enhance some of those offerings. And then you go ahead and you continue to add in some of that other stuff that's at home, whether it's the membership based or indoor aquatics and fitness and those types of things. So some really unique opportunities to very, very different sites. Um, and I think you guys will really enjoy the, the rest of the show and what we go ahead and, and offer in terms of what those facilities could be. I would like to uh, build off of what Darren uh, shared about the different types of programming, uh, opportunities, and activities associated with those programs. 
And there's a direct relationship between the activities and the sites that support them. And so we've organized uh, the program really into two categories, uh, one being recreation, the other one being community. And within recreation, there's the aquatic component, the gymnasium, fitness areas. And within the uh, community, uh, a larger perhaps community ground that can be uh, divisible and offer a lot of different types of programs, including even performance <laughs> and then arts and culture. And so I'm going to share a little more detail on uh, these specific elements in the relationship to the states that support them. So uh, when you think of the product, there's uh, it's kind of a broad term, really, because it really starts to identify two different types of bodies of water, one being the recreation pool, uh, which we're showing here. It's more of a warm water pool. Uh, it can have a shallow beach entry. Uh, it can have uh, water uh, exercise spaces. It really supports the types of activities with up here, about water play for teens and youth. Uh, it can also be used for therapy. Uh, it's really multi-generational in terms of who it supports of all ages. Um, and uh, it helps have some really great features too, uh, water slides and sliding walls, uh, a lot of different elements for a channel. There's a lot of ways to design these um, uh, particular uh, elements. And, you know, it's also inclusive in the sense of how you design a space where uh, you can have windows into it, it can be beautiful uh, to see the space, but at times having shade to to be able to make it more private, depending on the user and what their needs and desires are. And then complementing that would be a, a cool water pool. Oftentimes referred to as a lap pool. It's a deeper water, it's a cooler temperature, and it supports uh, some similar activities, but also different ones. So uh, swim lessons can also occur in this type of body of water. Exercise, a lap swim, uh, that support uh, swim team practice and swim club, um, water polo, uh, lifeguard team. Um, so many different types of uh, opportunities and recreation uh, is a big part of it too. And there's different ways to even bring in some of those recreation features, whether it's a, a drop slide or uh, a climbing wall, some of the features you see on the, on the right. Uh, even an obstacle course that sometimes is lift it up into the ceiling and drop down so it doesn't take up any of that valuable water space. So lots of programming activity spaces that then these types of bodies of water really support. And then the dry land uh, components, really thinking about a gymnasium, which we understand from all of the survey work and interviews that uh, there really is a need for a gymnasium type space. And it's a real kind of workforce in terms of the types of activities that they support from basketball, volleyball, football, uh, you know, pickleball, badminton. It could be an indoor playground for, for kids. Uh, you know, part of what makes it work is to make sure you've got adequate storage, uh, being really important for that flexibility. Uh, oftentimes, putting in a, a lock jog track uh, that can just be suspended around the perimeter and that was something too that ranked quite high in the first plan. Uh, even table tennis, specialty events, you can have team dances, all sorts of opportunities. You're going to have uh, floor covering that can roll out to protect the floor. 
Then there's the area of industry, and oftentimes that's kind of an open lot mm -hmm. type space that has a lot of specialty equipment, has stretching areas and mats. Uh, a really important component, uh, Karen was saying, health and wellness. Oftentimes these facilities are even uh, named that way, and this is one of the key components for health and wellness. And uh, with that type of equipment, you can do straight, uh, strength training, cardio workout, functional training, you can have personal training, uh, instruction about how to use some of this equipment that might feel foreign. And for many people, uh, it's an introduction to this type of fitness. Perhaps some people move on to uh, more of a fitness club. But uh, this is really uh, part of that accessibility for everyone. It's affordable, and it allows this uh, type of opportunity and activity to be available to everyone in the community. It can be used for rehabilitation, especially with types of specialized equipment. Um, from that standpoint, you can see some of the, the image in the upper uh, uh, left-hand corner. It's all ages, you know, from youth to, to seniors. So this is really a space for everyone and a key part of uh, physical health and well-being. Um, and then there's a variety of what we refer to as multi-purpose exercise activity spaces. Um, they usually have a strong floor and sound system, good acoustic. And it can be used for a variety of, again, the health and wellness component. The, uh, the fitness center and the multi-purpose exercise really go hand in hand for that balance uh, health and wellness activity. You can have aerobic exercise, cycling classes, yoga, Pilates, uh, gentle motion classes uh, for those who maybe just have limited flexibility in, in movement. So uh, be sensitive to the types of uh, exercise opportunities that can be available. Meditation, dance, martial arts, Tai Chi. So you can see so many different types of opportunities can happen in this type of space. And then moving on to kind of the community components, probably one of the major and important spaces is having a community or event space. Uh, oftentimes, these are larger rooms that can be subdivided uh, by having movable partitions. So you can have a sit-down dinner for two or three hundred people, depending on the size of the space. Oftentimes, uh, what we're considering is that there be an elevated uh, performance platform, uh, so you can do uh, dance or music, uh, different smaller-scale performances. Which can that type of space can also be. Uh, Separated so it can not be used as a classroom. So these are not multi-use. Uh, really, all the spaces we're considering can have uh, more than one function, as you can start to see here, with the community meeting areas, uh, you know, nutrition classes, senior lunches. Obviously, having a good commercial kitchen associated with the space is uh, really important. Continuing ed education after-school programs. The list goes on. Uh, it's, it's just uh, part of what a space like this can provide. And then so much uh, a part of uh, these types of facilities in person in general is like celebration of arts, culture, flexible meeting spaces and classrooms. Uh, so having and associated with that can be a team space or uh, a senior lounge space, uh, music and rehearsal, uh, arts and crafts. Uh, kind of messy arts and crafts, so it's kind of more related to paint 
um, active and passive gaming uh, from pool tables to video gaming, uh, uh, which can be very, very popular. And then really thinking too about, again, uh, the multicultural aspect of your community and you know, making a space that feels like home oftentimes like the video resource center and reinforce the sense of belonging. And uh, it's so this is a facility and some of it comes to how it's actually designed, but a facility really important for everyone. And so this is kind of giving you that connection, hopefully, between activities and the actual state program. And with that, I think we're going to take a a little 10 minute break. If, uh, All right, there's Matthew around some information that we're going to share with you here. Um, for the next few minutes, I'm going to focus on Hope and Park and Ride, uh, the programs that we've developed that we've shared before, but we continue to refine, and then the development of the actual uh, uh, concept plans and general mapping. So share with you. The possibilities are. Um, this is not go uh, road reconfiguration. We didn't have an experience plan to kind of learn about that, but this is how we kind of approach the site in general today. And I'm working on the AD glitches here. There we go. Um, again, just uh, for, for a context standpoint, um, this is uh, the whole park and ride site. This is sort of the general uh, uh, site portions that we shared last time we were with you. You know, some great uh, opportunities, the uh, connections uh, around the city, uh, uh, multimodal access. Um, also, a, a great site that has high visibility and has great visible views out from the site. So, this is really uh, nice uh, insight that you develop. Uh, looking at the site specific, you know, you've got the great green edge along along the east side. It provides a very natural background. You've got three uh, really primary points of access that are already existing, and so the idea would be to try to tie into to that zone. And then um, a relatively flat site, but it does. Slope, as you can see, those, those topography lines, the one foot increments as you're going uh, from the north to the south. So we kind of addressed that in, in some of our plans, and we share that with you at the program. And so we're looking at option A and option B. Uh, it looks uh, slightly different programs. Option A is 103,000 square feet. It has a three-court three gymnasium, walk jog track. A 6,000 square foot fitness room. It has multi purpose exercise and activity rooms, and, and what would be a large and medium size. Um, is it, what does that mean? What? Is that to you? Is that like the turf is falling off? The aquatic space here has our largest aquatic space in that form, the cell is 23. A thousand square feet for the indoor rec pool, seven thousand square feet of indoor rec water, and then eighteen uh, uh, twenty-five yard glass pool uh, in that option. The beauty spaces include about three hundred feet of event space, and so that's about a third bigger than this. So the room you're in right now is kind of picture this room with one more bed. That's kind of what we're talking just theoretically. And when we 
idea of a stage classroom. That would be the performance area you were talking about, but also some double duty instead of as a classroom as well. So the idea is trying to get as much teaching um, out of the building uh, and address many of the program area issues that we can uh, in, in a like a more defined footprint. An idea of a multicultural center that kind of can breed and be a part of, of everyone in the community, arts and crafts field, maker space, and good things. Um, largest option, most parking. So we need 376 stalls within this option. Uh, as, as just kind of a baseline that we're using at the time at this point. Option B, similar program elements, just a little bit um, uh, downside. We go with a two-foot multi purpose gym, uh, smaller court, smaller walk dog track, uh, with slightly smaller uh, fitness room, uh, multi purpose room. They remain the same because it's not always be that and that size limit, so those don't really vary between options. Uh, the aquatic space, we're looking at 5,000 square feet of water, excuse me, rec water, and six lane flat floor, no So that's the big difference there on the aquatic side. Uh, the community spaces, again, very similar. Big differences at the community event room is uh, basically one, one day small. Um, smaller, smaller footprint, smaller parking spaces. So uh, here under 300 spaces there, which, yes. Are those parking spaces designed for code, or is that general? That would need to be finalized in the, in the, in the, in the next iteration. So we've established a sort of baseline um, parking number based upon the size of the building and how many occupants. That would be an entire traffic study that would be focused. So those are our general sort of guidelines of what we need to give us a sense of where we work to be. If we go over below, it's a little bit more dramatic. Specifically, it's just a competition on that building. And so this shows the option A on the sub option A. Shows the option, you can see the parking garage that we have over there. That is to accommodate all 350 plus solids. And the idea is to make a garage that kind of is woven into the landscape. Um, it is basically kind of an angled plane that just kind of slopes out of the ground. So on the, oh, another thing to discover that I mentioned, we, to make this look bigger and so we can see it, we split the plane. So north is back. And all the, everything we've been looking at north is set up. Tilted it this way and going that way. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, so, oh, sorry, so one of the seats here, one seventieth. So this is basically the big parking lot that exists there. We kind of reuse in general, so this would be all new, but, but the idea of that means parking, we do a structured parking that's fairly minimal, but enough to get us to the town needs. And then the building kind of sits back in that green space um, on, on the east and south side of the building. Yes. When I first heard this, kind of outlined what Watch Dogs proposed in the master plan it looked like. Yeah. And where did you get it? Yes. Definitely. It makes it, makes it challenge. I think, and again, not really kind of looking at this, that drawing that Chris developed, but it's pretty accurate. On the right side, is that Northeast 67 that comes in? Is that a street right there? No. It's 100 feet that way. Or like 90 feet that way. Do you know where the 
current exit ramp is that connects out. It's basically right here. Yeah, it's basically done. So these alignments, these three entry points are pretty much exactly where, where they are uh, currently. So this would be an out there and out looking to give you a sense, and we'll give you kind of a sense of where the building sits. So you had to kind of pull it back, create this nice drive aisle uh, with, with planting and along the edge, and then also something other than the So this just kind of shows, you know, is it an act? A massing diagram just kind of shows you where we kind of stack these pieces on top of each other. So this is a three-story option. So this is our only three-story option we're looking at. And that is to fit all of the program components with our, our footprint. So it does some really great things. And so you get your recreation and, and pool area down the lower uh, on the lower floor. You're going to come in the building and there's a circulation uh, corridor. You've got fitness rooms, administration, uh, child, child lodge. Party rooms that are associated with aquatics. It's right in the center of everything. There's your changing room lockers facility. Um, and then on the second level, we really need to kind of move the gym up to the second level to give it, it adequate space so it kind of sits above the fitness area below. And it begins to be this kind of hybrid level of both community and active uh, fitness spaces. So they're, they're kind of both of that could be going that level. And then as you get to the, the upper third level, you get, that's where you get the, the walk-up, strong track, and, and your main uh, community event space, which has just fantastic views looking out to uh, really Washington. So it kind of, it kind of puts kind of the, the community space at the top, kind of mix the bottom, and, and then uh, it requires people to come from the lower level. What is that grade on the top? Oh, uh, the, the question is like with uh, 
other activities, high school events or whatever that we have going on in the closet area in lieu of having everyone coming through one spot, having a secondary entry for these individual identified events would be ideal. And I think what Jim is saying is that the youth has the opportunity through just the design of being able to have that sort of special access that you are referring to in, in, in basically any of these options in a way. Yes? Right now, we're, we're showing you the 25 yard pool. How about 25 feet? Oh, you do that? We'll keep you on it. Thank you. 
conversation, some from group gathering. And so where you see these, and we've got these on every route, we really are a firm believer that that's a great thing to have these social moments within in a building. And so as you go up to the upper levels, you see just more opportunities where this is like an overlook that overlooks the other social spaces. So sort it's of like this interconnectivity throughout these sort of nooks here between you know, where you have a more private area or a more public area, or again, capturing these out to a garden. Those are kind of those, you know, unprogrammed social interactive opportunities that exist within the whole plan layout. Patient identification. So these questions are actually anticipating the digest part of the so um, after the presentation, we're going to ask you to, to muddle on some of this stuff and to give us your observations, your questions, tell us what you think is missing, and tell us what you like. So be thinking about that as they continue with the presentation. That's what the sticky notes are for. I'm going to go ahead and post those questions right now so you can see them and so you can be anticipating how you might want to respond to those questions because it's all part of the rest of the evening.
no parking garage. Everything we're able to accommodate all the parking stalls on, on the street parking areas. Uh, as a slightly, slightly smaller footprint, but not really much, where the area is um, locked is the back home at two levels of plan to the next shot. So there we are. Uh, same kind of sequence where we're attention from, from the north. We've got this main circulation sign uh, with a little bit of similar setup we saw with option A. Biggest difference here is that a multi-purpose gym is not located on the second floor. It's located down at, at ground level. Uh, there is a central spine that contains all the utility, uh, locker room, uh, uh, universal changing room areas in the middle, and then it opens directly out on, on the recreation. So your main big recreation component is located on, on the lower level. And then as you move to the upper level, that's where we've got a walk jog track. This is really a community bar for the most part. We do have a corner that has some of the, the fitness uh, wellness rooms um, uh, to the south. And then the large kind of fitness areas where you have like your cardio equipment, et cetera, would be sort of in the heart of the building and have overlooks both into the gymnasium uh, and, and, and the auditorium. Um, so here's the lower level plan. And that, that thing is caught. Uh, uh, issues with kind of creating uh, these round areas or seating nooks uh, for informal gathering, uh, multicultural center has moved in, uh, we've got the game room, maker space, uh, we've got our admin, and then sort of child watch party room below. It's very similar layout. Uh, here we've got six parking in, in lieu of eight on, on, the, on the lab pool, slightly smaller rec pool, and then two courts in lieu of Area, great connection right at the walk dog track. So, a lot of multi uh, opportunities there. That larger community bar in the middle, which also includes uh, uh, catering kitchen, commercial catering kitchen. So, here's the, and this setup is similar in both options. Um, and so, this would be the third kitchen area that you serve in here. All your storage, all your chairs, you can set up in all kinds of banquet settings. Yeah, setting, and this is that sort of raised area that forms this state in the classroom as well. And again, just a quick um, imagery idea of again using natural daylight entry, little uh, down field, but you see, you know, gladiators approaching, you see a lot of activity directly into the gymnasium as you come up, nice big open welcoming area. Still have overlooks uh, uh, to the east. Um, so that I mean, there's a lot of information I apologize, but I'm not for you. Isn't it? I mentioned a quick fact just so that you're a visual learner like I am. This room that we're in is 2,162 square feet. I'll put this up so you can remember, but just when you're looking at these four times that we're talking about for a time. Okay, so we're going to talk about the uh, North Kirkland uh, site. Um, it also has great access off uh, 124, and also you can see the other piece roads outlined 
a good access from to multiple locations, including 405. Um, and then this shows kind of the existing condition. Uh, it's an interesting site because you've got the large kind of rectangular parcel uh, to the west, and you also to the east have the playground uh, part, yeah, which is really beautiful. Uh, playground, by the way, you think it's really special. And you also then have a road in between, uh, one of three. And so the last time we met, there was quite a bit of discussion about creating a, a safe environment um, with that type of access. And what does that mean in terms of where, how should you access the site? So we spent quite a bit of time uh, working with the traffic consultant, uh, very familiar with this area, and explored all sorts of possibilities of how to enter the site. He actually came back and said, you know, really the safest and best way to access the site is off of the hundred foot. Um, and but with some qualifiers that if you do that, you want to really locate the parking back towards the uh, north side of the site. You want to create as long of a queuing area um, as you, uh, so cars can stack in here, uh, which reduces traffic. Congestion. The other thing he recommended uh, is that you might, some of you might be aware, there's a little drop-off, pull-off area right here uh, for the playground. He said it would be really good if we could get rid of that um, because that creates more traffic congestion and you know compromises safety. One of the benefits if you do get rid of it, it means oh wow, there's opportunity to enhance that playground park with some more landscape or even park amenities. So then the question is, well, how do you get from the playground over to the site? And so the idea is to create uh, an elevated kind of, uh, you've seen these type of techniques where the road kind of raises up slightly, um, and maybe 15 feet wide special paving, uh, which is a, a real signal to traffic to slow down. And by the time you're coming up in this area, you're, you're starting to uh, think about turning into a parking lot. So the very nature of that, uh, and with that raised walkway, uh, slows the traffic down, traffic on. And we felt like, you know, this is a really great approach uh, to how to handle the traffic. So um, that was one we were thinking about a lot. The other aspect uh, of this side is, oops, um, real quick, ah, let me skip past here. This is feeding through. Okay. Yes, um, there's a lot of topography on the site too. Um, as you can see with this image, uh, two-story building and there's, you know, 13, 14 feet of grade change. And so that's both a challenge and an opportunity in terms of how we find that space. So uh, before we show some layouts, just to go through the program quickly, we looked at basically two options, option A, uh, 74,000 square feet and a smaller option of 49,000 square feet. Um, the, uh, the recreation spaces are uh, a bit larger in uh, option A. We have a two-court gym and uh, in really option A and, and B, uh, but we have a walk-drop track in, in option A. And so that's what brings up the square footage for the recreation center a bit higher. Uh, we also have the aquatic which we don't show in option B1, but we're showing in B2. When you look at B1 and B2, I think Chris mentioned earlier, the big difference is one has a gymnasium and the other one 
has a swimming pool or recreation pool. And that's really the only difference between B1 and B2. Um, and then uh, community spaces, uh, a, a richer kind of variety, uh, more diverse variety of community spaces and option uh, A, uh, a 200 seat community room, which is shared between all the options that has that elevated stage, classroom space. But you can see in option A, there's another uh, multi-purpose classroom, a senior lounge, multicultural center, uh, a teen space, arts and crafts studio. So, which is a shared element between all of them, the arts and crafts, also a uh, music room and game room. So, a richer variety of community spaces is one of the big differences between option A and B option. And then you can see with the size of the space, the parking requirement changes from 252 stalls in A to 165 in B. So uh, just going through the options, A, uh, we have the, uh, the larger uh, parking count is 262 cars. And uh, this layout shows probably you know, 125 cars in that footprint. So the idea is there's another level of parking underneath uh, that we're not seeing here. So it's a way to build in that capacity of parking and actually just work with uh, the site and cut and fill balance so you aren't removing earth from the site to taking advantage of that topography. And then this shows the footprint uh, for the building. Um, I'll point out this uh, kind of drop-off area, main entry here, but there's kind of a covered way and then a, that pathway, we talked about that elevated pathway, that takes you over to the children's playground. And then this is where the vehicles would access the site, so we get a long kind of seating area, which enhances the safety issue. Yes? So, um, why isn't there multiple lines Oh, a 90, a larger size here? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, part of it uh, kind of has to do with the, the nature of fitting into this context. And the site, this is a, a smaller site, obviously, than the Houghton Park and Ride, um, significantly smaller. Um, so it's like, what is the right capacity for this particular site versus Houghton Park? That is a consideration. That's, you know, uh, it's possible to go 90,000. It would be a lot more parking, you know, and that's certainly kind of a raised earlier as a concern. Um, so, uh, what is, what's the right fit for this site? Yeah. Oh, is there? No. Sure. Well, um, the way this works is you would come in, you do it, some of the, oh gosh, you come here, yeah, the doors are, you would come this way, drop off, and then this is the ramp down into the parking structure, so the flow is like this, and then down the parking structure. It's not, it's dropping off this thing. Right. And all they want to do is stand. Gosh. So you could do that. You would come in here, you would come around the corner, you would drop off here right next to the front door, and then you would come back down. It's a simple move. Yeah, I mean, 
these are generous uh, widths for two-way traffic for 24 foot wide lanes. So anyway, uh, yeah, so just walk you through. Yeah, take your seat if that's the case. Yeah, it is. It's really important. Um, yeah. You could also potentially, you might even come in right here. There's different ways to compare apps. There's other questions. So, families who just want to go to this facility and they want to park the car and go to the playground. Yes. Changing locker room zones, direct access 
So recreation pool that has um, a warm water pool with the lazy river and other amenities in this zone, uh, some aerobic lap swim, and then you have direct access into the two court gym, a fitness area. These all take advantage of some really nice views out uh, to the south or the west, looking into a nice tree lined area, and then a couple of the multi purpose rooms. Um, this is taking a look at the masking of this and bearing in mind uh, having the scale that would feel appropriate for this more residential context. Lots of transparency and views into the activity spaces. Ideas of sustainability that uh, roof monitors, there's also PV uh, array and solar collection. And any of these uh, concepts, sustainability would be a, a pretty important driver. As well as resiliency, that these can also be places of refuge in an emergency as well. Um, kind of the uh, entry approach, uh, having kind of a very kind of friendly, almost residential scale on uh, this context felt like it might be appropriate. And then uh, lastly, the, the B1, B2 options you can see, there are a little uh, smaller uh, footprint on the site which you think has some virtues in terms of providing and preserving a little bit more of the open space within a park-like setting. The, uh, the parking uh, structure is uh, a smaller footprint as well. <clears throat> Staffing, and then uh, the simpler organization, you come in, kind of this uh, linear kind of bar of community rooms and the game room, uh, multicultural spaces, uh, group exercise that would be down at uh, a lower level. Um, uh, with those group exercise rooms here, fitness space, and in this case, indicating a two-court gymnasium. Um, and then there's this option B2, which is very similar, but then the only real difference is uh, getting really nice uh, footprint for a recreation pool that could have uh, a little bit larger than what we were showing in option A to have a slide and a number of amenities that can make a really great, great space. So none of the options in the North Park Inn can be shared They don't. Um, that's correct. Okay. Yes. Um, yes, please. The question was none of the options in um, North Kirkland. Um, that that is correct, and uh, a lot of that is driven by the fact that this is a you know robust and a four acre site, and how do you maximize that site for other amenities? And um, the last pool just actually fits better at the housing park tonight. Now you could have a lot home instead of a recreation pool here. There are choices to be made. Um, and the recreation pool offers. It does. Thank you. There, um, there's a lot of ways to decide a recreation pool, and these are just some initial ideas. But you can have two or four lap lanes that are great, uh, very flexible for water aerobics. But you know, for real vigorous exercise swimming, that's where the lap pool uh, comes in. What is the acreage of this? This is. Uh, 
Um, yeah, this is indicating very similar to the other option. Uh, the <coughs> On the Northrop Insider site work, it's like three times as much. If the topography is pushing the dirt around, it's
And we've got that slope side, so it's just a very expensive garage, which I don't know how I So another important part of what we're going ahead and what we're putting together with this study is taking a look at the operations for each of these facilities. Um, you know, when you walk away from a feasibility study, you really want to have an idea of what's in the building, what's it going to cost to build, what's it, what's the project cost, and then what's it going to cost to operate. So we go ahead and provide that third-party independent analysis teaming with OPSIS. So. Uh, when we go ahead and we start talking about expenses, we have calculated full-time and part-time staffing uh, using the city's pay rates and going ahead and accelerating those for a little bit. Uh, we've gone ahead and come up with a list of commodities, contractual obligations. Now, not every community does this, but the city of Kirkland does. There's a percentage charge back to the city in terms of uh, additional uh, fees that are going to come from human resources, uh, going ahead and dealing with snow removal, all those different kinds of things. And then on top of it, there's an IT chargeback as well. The last thing that we try and include in our plans, which has become uh, super important, is allocation to an improvement fund. And this is something that is going to accrue dollars over time. You hopefully aren't going to need to make any significant changes to the building in the first five years. So with each of the different schemes, we've gone ahead and recommended a different dollar amount so that by the time you hit year five, you have a balance from which you can pull dollars from. In terms of revenues, we've gone ahead and we figured admissions and memberships, programs, rentals, uh, birthday parties, and then a category that goes ahead and hits other. Um, it's important to understand that when we do this, we base it on the market that you're in. Uh, we base it on our understanding of how you would operate the facility and also our years of experience. So we take a bit of a conservative approach to when we're going ahead and, and projecting those because we want to make sure that we put you in a position of, of exceeding expectations. Um, the staffing that we've prescribed is there on the right-hand side. This is full-time staffing. So uh, facility manager, sports and competition, fitness, front desk, aquatics. There's two aquatics positions. 
Um, not every scheme has two aquatics positions, uh, but every, posi every scheme that does have a pool has full-time lifeguard staff. Um, Pre-pandemic, uh, it seemed that we weren't, weren't running into many problems on a national level of attracting lifeguards. Uh, Post-pandemic, I was talking with uh, Milwaukee County in Wisconsin today, uh, they need 150 lifeguards for the summer, and right now they have 15 hired. So uh, we went ahead and we prescribed some full-time lifeguard positions. And then also it's important to understand, we went ahead and prescribed for each of the facilities a maintenance and custodial staff. Um, these buildings really go ahead and take on a business-like operation. And to that extent, um, we don't want work orders and work requests to go into um, a system that then has to be prioritized across the full city. Um, these buildings are being asked to go ahead and operate in a business-like fashion and along with that uh, should have their dedicated maintenance and custodial staff. So uh, with each of these, what you will find is that uh, we've gone ahead and we've provided a, an expense, a revenue, and a subsidy and a cost recovery. Uh, within that expense line item, that capital improvement allocation is there, the city chargeback is there, and the IT chargeback is there. Um, it is not uncommon for these facilities to require some level of subsidy. If you went ahead and if you took out the city chargebacks and the IT chargebacks and the capital improvement allocation, you might find that they're getting pretty close to uh, breaking even, so to speak. But the reality is, is those fees are included. It's also important to note that there's some fluctuation in pricing structure uh, in terms of the Houghton Park and Ride from A and B. Um, those membership rates and admission rates that we charge are very similar. Uh, North Kirkland A, again, similar. B1, they go ahead and drop. And B2, they come up a little bit, but don't get back up to the same rate as option A. And each one of those has varying penetration rates in terms of market potential. Hey, can I um,
of some of the uh, excellent uh, views and a more enhanced identity and importance of the building when it's three stories too. Also has more expanded program activity spaces. And of course, you can see the difference in cost recovery and capital costs. On uh, North Kirkland, comparing A and B, obviously the square footage difference and A, the expanded program spaces. Uh, we think it, you know, the masking of the building and the parking, we think it can fit and have a good scale for the neighborhood. It does require more park open space uh, to accommodate a larger building footprint and a larger uh, amount of parking. You can see the metrics on the capital costs, whereas uh, in some ways, option B, in terms of just the scale of what's there now with the park like environment, it does preserve more park open space. Uh, the amount of smaller parking structure means there's less traffic uh, coming in and out. So perhaps, you know, uh, maybe a better fit within this particular context. But this is for your own discussion. And uh, obviously, you can see the cost difference. Option B being uh, very similar. Uh, it's just uh, the mix of programs different between having a quality and gym. Um, and with that, uh, we are going to move in. I know we're probably a little behind, but you want to have questions. But first, uh, Lynn wants to share uh, some of the updates with the flashcards. 